Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Wednesday, December 23rd. Today on the show, Auburn has hired a new football coach. The Vols quarterback room got a lot smaller. The Predators made a big move in free agency. But we begin by asking a simple question. Is Tennessee still a blue blood football program? One of my all-time favorite college football Twitter tropes about any once great program is, why would anyone want that job? I get it a lot and it always makes me chuckle, mostly because the last time I checked, we as a species are still fairly obsessed with money and there are only so many Power 5 head coaching jobs in the world. But most fans view a college football program through the lens of current production, current success, are you winning? And if you're not, then obviously no one could ever possibly want to coach there. This simply isn't the reality of the college football power structure, and it's also not how coaches see it either. The real intrinsic value of a college football program is measured in so many other ways than just how many games you won or lost last year. Fan support, financial resources, past success, tradition, stadium size, alumni base, engagement, and of course recruiting base are all way ahead of recent win-loss records when coaches sit down to evaluate any given opportunity. I call it national championship DNA, and only so many programs have it, probably less than 20 in America. So why they've won all the national championships. So already we're talking about an extremely finite number of jobs. There are more starting NFL quarterbacks right now on planet Earth than there are blue blood college football coaches today. And the definition of this DNA can be boiled down to two things. Do you have unlimited resources and do you have access to talent? Which brings us to Tennessee. Does this job count as a blue blood program with national title DNA? By every single measure possible, the answer is unequivocally yes. We know Tennessee has unlimited resources to spend on facilities, coaching staffs, stadium upgrades, recruiting budgets. The boosters' pockets in Knoxville are deep and lined with fossil fuels. But many are way too quick to discount the Vols' recruiting base. Many think that the Vols have to be a national brand and that not being the only thing on TV has hurt them. I think this is a lazy approach. The six-hour radius around Knoxville, Tennessee has not gotten worse for recruiting over the last 30 years, but substantially better. Do you know how far you can get down I-75 into Georgia in six hours? Almost to Florida. You can get to Raleigh-Durham in North Carolina, almost to Richmond, Virginia, definitely to Columbus, Ohio, and essentially the entire state of Kentucky, Tennessee, and even Alabama. Hell, you can almost get to Jackson, Mississippi in six hours. It's about seven hours, you fact-checking heathens. The point is, Knoxville still sits in one of the most fertile recruiting territories in the country, and it's only getting better as population trends continue to shift south into the Sun Belt. Just look at Middle Tennessee. We are churning out Power 5 football talent at a clip we've never seen before. Georgia or Alabama's recruiting base isn't all that different, frankly. They've just hired better coaches. No, Tennessee has national title DNA, unlimited resources, and access to talent. And frankly, the proof of concept has been laid out for decades. This is one of the top 10 winningest college football programs in history for a reason. But really, all you need to know to prove that Tennessee has this DNA is the fact that they've won a national championship in the modern era. There are only seven jobs in the SEC that have this makeup, and you know who they are. Alabama, Florida, LSU, Georgia, Auburn, Texas A&M, and Tennessee. No one else in this conference has competed for a national championship since integration which makes them highly coveted positions that pay gobs of money. It doesn't, however, mean that there are a lot of people who can or want to handle the pressures of those jobs. 
And unless you can get Bob Stoops or Urban Meyer to come out of retirement, I just don't see any elite candidates right now who could step into the job at Tennessee and win big. I mean, let's be honest. Does anyone really think that if Nick Saban had been coaching at Tennessee for the last 15 years that they wouldn't be good at football? Tennessee quarterbacks J.T. Shrout and Jarrett Garantano have entered the transfer portal, and just like that, in one day, the Volunteers' quarterback room was cut in half. The job now feels like Harrison Bailey's to lose in 2021, considering only Brian Maurer is left on the roster. And as cynical as it might be, if Shrout decided to leave because the job was clearly Bailey's to lose, then that's probably actually a good thing for Tennessee fans. Bailey started the final three games of the season, and Shrout appeared to be his direct competition this offseason. The good news for fans and media alike is that there really shouldn't be much speculation or controversy about whose offense this is moving forward. It should be Bailey's. And if it's not, then I'm sorry we've got much bigger problems. The freshman looked the part of a big-time prospect just getting his feet wet in the SEC this year. Lots of tools, lots to build on, lots of upside, but plenty of inexperience as well. Maurer should push him in the offseason, along with early enrollee Caden Salter, a four-star prospect who gets on campus in January. Either way, a major page has been turned. Garantano's career in Knoxville never really worked out the way people hoped it would, and unfortunately it got ugly at times. But I hope people wish him well, and it's over, which means it's the Harrison Bailey Show now. The Auburn Tigers finally found their man, announcing on Tuesday that Boise State's Brian Harson will be their new head coach. Let's just start by saying Auburn could have done a lot worse, and we're tracking to do a lot worse than Brian Harson. And as far as third or fourth choices go, this is a pretty damn good decision and a power move by the Tigers. Prying him away from his alma mater is no small feat. The 44-year-old is 76-24 and 24 as a head coach at both Boise State and Arkansas State, so he brings with him a proven model for success. And while he's a Pacific Northwestern guy and may not feel like a fit in the Southeast, especially at the most unique job in big-time college football, his one year at Arkansas State cannot be overlooked. It does give him a sense of the region and how things work down here. Ironically, it's the second time he's followed Gus Malzahn as he took over in Jonesboro when Gus left for the Plains eight years ago. Can't even make that up. Hiring Harson is a coup considering Kevin Steele might have been their first choice just last week. He's a very talented offensive coach who will be fascinating to watch develop in the SEC. I've personally always wanted to see what some of these outsiders could do in the Deep South, and now we've got two of them in the SEC West in Harson and Mike Leach. Despite coaching in the Mountain West and being known for his offensive trickeration, Harson has routinely built the most physical program in the league, building his team around trench warfare, which should play well in the rigorous Southeast. Frankly, as far as resumes go, it's hard to argue that he's not overly qualified to get a crack at a big-time job. Hell, Pac-12 schools have been trying to hire him for years, and he's turned down all of them. But this ain't the Pac-12, and recruiting in the SEC is just a different beast altogether. And that is the biggest unknown here. How well can you handle the trail, and who are you going to hire to help you navigate the choppy waters of recruiting down here will be critical to his success or failure. Now, having said all of these nice things about Auburn, there is one thing to remember, where the bar has been set. The last two coaches at Auburn took teams to the national championship game. The last one won 66% of his games, beat Nick Saban three times, and won the West twice. That is what will get you fired at Auburn, so the bar for Harson is clearly very high. He checks every box except for ties to the area, which at Auburn could be a huge benefit. 
I have no clue how successful he will be, but I am really excited to finally see this type of coaching experiment play out in real time. The Nashville Predators have re-signed forward Mikhail Granlund. That is honestly a sentence I didn't think I was going to ever be saying out loud. The Preds brought back the talented but underwhelming winner on a highly discounted and very team-friendly one-year $3.75 million contract. Good work if you can get it. Two, or in this case, maybe three things can be true. Number one, giving up Kevin Fiala to acquire Grandlin was a bad trade. Number two, Grandlin underproduced his career averages in a Predator sweater by a pretty healthy margin. And number three, this could actually be a pretty shrewd and smart signing by David Poyle. Granlin checks in at $2 million cheaper than his previous contract, so he's playing at a severely discounted rate. The Predators have a major need for a veteran goal-scoring winger. The team had tons of cap space to use on a luxury item or risky play exactly like this one. And lastly, since it's a one-year deal, Granlin could be a nice trade chip to move at the deadline should the Preds need or want to use him in that way. Fans are going to immediately get some PTSD when they read the headline, but the deal makes some sense. It's low risk, high reward, at a position of need without using any valuable assets to improve the overall talent of the roster. All of this under a head coach who knows the player, but has never really had enough time or a training camp and work him into the system. Let's see what John Hines can do with his skills. I get why fans would be apprehensive about bringing him back, but Poyle waited long enough to get as team-friendly a deal as he could, and if he returns to anything near his levels of production in Minnesota, he will be an absolute steal. If not, well, you haven't really risked much of anything. John Morant is playing basketball tonight against the San Antonio Spurs in the Grizzlies' home opener, and you should be paying attention. Thank you guys all for listening. Please share the show. Tell somebody about it. We do appreciate it. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. This has been the 440 for Wednesday, December 23rd. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.